بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحم الحمدلّہ اللہ رسول الکریم الحمد للہ چنائی از دا سیونٹینتھ آف مے ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And I reached a point where I've mentioned that our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's offered two rakat salatul duha in gratitude over the death of Abu Jahl. And I should have mentioned that the salatul duha is a prayer and there's another prostration called the prostration of gratitude. That's also from the Sunnah. But it wasn't that which the Prophet did upon hearing the news of Abu Jahl's death. So moving on to the next section. What to do with the prisoners and did our beloved Messenger وسلم, err in this regard? So it is thereupon well known that after the battle of Badr, the believers captured 70 of the unbelievers. And Abu Bakr and Umar had expressed their viewpoints with regards to what was to be done with them. So in summary, the authentic hadith in Imam Ahmad's Muslim, Abu Bakr, he suggested that the prisoners should be ransomed and also give them an opportunity to hopefully embrace Islam. But Umar disagreed because they should be executed. So there was no Um, conclusion with regards to what to do with the unbelieving prisoners. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he related in a long narration that our beloved messenger had thereupon decided to ransom the prisoners. And he explains, because you are poverty stricken, no prisoner shall be freed without either ransom or execution. So the Prophet decided وسلم, that the ransom should take place and he gave the reason because you are financially in need and the option of execution is still open. Why? Because some of them were executed late. Abu Bakr, the Prophet, وسلم, he praised him. He goes, you are like Ibrahim and Isa, and he mentioned the relevant verses where the mercy was shown. Then he praised Umar and said, You are like Nuh and Musa. And the relevant verses were recited. But then he chose Abu Bakr's advice. So Ibn Masood, he thereupon asked, Ya Rasulullah, please excuse Sahal ibn Baida from this because I have heard him embrace Islam. So there were 70 prisoners. So Ibn Masood went out of his way. He goes, please release this one, Sahal ibn Baida, because I heard him embrace Islam. Rasulullah sallallahu thereupon remained silent for a long time. And there was thus not a day that I saw myself more fearful than that day when I thought that a rock from the sky should soon fall upon me. So stop in the report. So Ibn Masood now thought he said something wrong. He's asked for something impermissible. Because Rasulullah didn't respond to Allah. And he goes, 
I feared that a rock would hit me. Rasulullah eventually said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sahal ibn Bayda is excused. Meaning, yes. After this, Allah the Almighty revealed the following verse in Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse 67 to 69. مَا كَانَ لِنَبِيٍّ عِيَّكُونَ لَهُ أَسْرَى حَتَّى يُثْخِنَ فِي الْأَرْضِ It is not becoming for a Prophet that he takes prisoners until he has thoroughly beaten the enemy in the land. تُرِيدُونَ أَرَدَ الدُّنْيَا وَاللَّهُ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ وَاللَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ you desire the things of this world, I ransom. Whilst Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires the hereafter for you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Almighty, the All Wise. Lawla kitabum min Allahi sabaka lamassakum fi ma akhadatum adabun azim. If it were not for an order that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already decreed. A great punishment would have afflicted you on account of what I ransom you have took. <laughs> so let's look at this. So this is recorded in Tirmidhi. It's Hassan, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 1-384. It has a weakness in the chain of transmission. Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 210, states Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. Ibn Mardawih, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ad-Dur al-Mantur, volume 3, page 201. Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 2, page 306 to 7 of the English translation. Shaykh al Ahadith, Maulana Idi Sahib Khan Dehlawi, Rahmatullahi, in Sirat al Mustafa, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, volume 2, page 127 of the English translation. Ayat al Sahaba, volume 2, page 419 to 421 of the New English translation. So, what did Allah the Almighty and Glorious reveal? He revealed these three verses. And he, if you don't look at commentary, just look at the translation. It looks like that Rasulullah has, he should have executed the prisoners. Said Allah Ta'ala said, you should have beaten them, you desire ransom, but Allah Ta'ala wants the hereafter. If it wasn't for the previous order, a great punishment would have reached you. So what was the previous order? I, that some of the prisoners were to become Muslims. So, who was this companion who Ibn Masood asked to excuse? Hafiz Ibn Abd al-Barr, he said, Rahmatullah Sayyidina Sahal Ibn Baydah embraced Islam in Makkah and kept it a secret. The Quraysh thus took him with them to Badr and he was captured along with the other polytheists. Then Abdullah Ibn Masood testified for him that he had seen him performing Salat in Makkah. Therefore, the Prophet released him. This is in Al-Istiyab, volume 2, page 92. Al-Isab, volume 2, page 84. So he was keeping his Iman hidden. One of the companions who had hid his Iman, Sahal ibn Baida. He prayed in Salat in Makkah. So Ibn Masood said, I know he's a Muslim. So what's interesting, the Prophet didn't release him straight away. There was a huge pause. Then he released him. So now why is this fascinating? It thus appears... And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best that Sahal ibn Baida was not of those who said on that fateful day as mentioned in the Quran. In Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse 49. 
إذ يقول المنافقون والذين في قلوبهم مرض غر هؤلاء دينهم When the hypocrites and those in whose hearts is a disease said these people are deceived by the religion. So now why have I mentioned that? Who was the other one? Who hid his iman? He was then forced to come out at Badr and then suddenly died without iman. Can you remember his name? Ali ibn Umayyah. Right, so Safwan ibn Umayyah's brother, he was in the same predicament. He came out, but when he saw the few numbers of Muslims, because Allah caused the miracle to occur, he made the believers look small to the kuffar in number, and he made the unbelievers look small in number to the believers. So Ali ibn Umayyah, when he saw the small number of Muslims, he said, these people are deceived by their religion. He lost his iman. <laughs> so now, why... Was Sahal excused? He was in the same condition. He was hiding his iman. They forced him out, brought him out. It appears he didn't say this. <laughs> to reiterate, Sheikh Ali Muhammad As-Sallabi clarified in his work, The Noble Life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Volume 2, page 999 of the English translation. Ali ibn Umayyah was amongst those who were known for their Islam in Makkah. He and other Muslims like him were then forced to leave with the polytheists on the day of Badr. Then when the two armies faced each other, Ali and others like him were put to fitna in their iman when they saw so few Muslims and they imagined imminent destruction. They said these people have been deceived by their religion. Thus Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. Surah 8 verse 49. When the hypocrites and those in whose hearts is a disease said these people are deceived by their religion, so this is the context. So now how's that linked to Abdullah ibn Masood? Subhanallah. This again shows Abdullah ibn Masood's brilliant judgment into the reality of things. That he had only asked for the release of Sahal ibn Baida, nobody else. How did he know? So there was others, Ali ibn Umayyah, he was killed after the battle. So technically he was a prisoner for a short period of time. Why didn't he ask to excuse him? So the scholars say this was the brilliance of Ibn Masood. But note, there was a huge pause by the Prophet So then what did Ibn Masood say? He goes, there was not a day that I saw myself more fearful than that day when I thought that a rock from the sky should fall. Meaning I think I've made a mistake. But Allah Ta'ala only revealed the verses after he was released, meaning he, you haven't made a mistake. So now, let's turn to our beloved Messenger So on the face of it, did he make a mistake? He should have executed. It is of the utmost importance to mention here that our beloved Messenger had not made a mistake. As some ignoramuses assert, but he simply chose the less of the better options. So how do we know that? Because it's proven from hadiths. So for instance, in Nasai, Tirmidhi ibn Majah, Hakim Sahih, Fattal Bari, volume 7, page 249. Shaykh al-Ahadith, Mawlana Idris Sahib Kandahlawi, Rahmatullahi, in the seal of Al-Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, volume 2, page 129 of the English translation. Ali, radiyallahu anhu, said, 
whilst Rasulullah was engaged in consulting with the companions, divine revelation charged him to give the companions the option of execution or ransom. Jibreel appeared and said, Ya Rasulullah, give your companions an option. Either they execute their captives or they release them on payment of ransom. However, the proviso for accepting a ransom is that the same number of companions will be killed the next year. The companions assented to the second option of accepting a ransom from the unbelievers, those exposing themselves to martyrdom in the forthcoming year. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in the Sunnah, the Sayyid Ibn Maj. So who came to the Prophet Jibreel? And Jibreel didn't say to the Prophet what to do. He said, tell your companions, give them an option. But when he gave the option, he said, execute or take ransom. But then he explained something. If they accept ransom, the same number of companions will be killed the next year. Meaning if you execute them, there won't be a problem next year. But if you accept the ransom, 70 of the, your, the, the companions will be martyred. And what did the companions decide? They goes, we'll ransom. Because 70 of us will get martyred. There's nothing wrong with that. Alhamdulillah. In a similar report, Abu Ubaidullah said, Jibreel appeared before Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, your Lord has given you liberty with the captives of Badr. When he thereupon sought the counsel of the companions, they said, Ya Rasulullah, today we are willing to set them free in return of a ransom so that we may attain a degree of strength against them. And in the forthcoming year, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may confirm martyrdom upon whomever he wishes. This is in Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, is Mursal, Ad-Dur Al-Mantur, volume 3, page 202, and Shaykh Al-Ahadith, Mawlana Idris Sahib Kandahlawi, Rahmatullah, in Seerat Al-Mustafa, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, volume 2, page 127 of the English translation. So again, confirming the previous report, Jibreel goes, you're at liberty, you can do what you want. The Prophet asked the Sahaba وسلم, and they said we will ransom and inshallah we'll get strength from that right, for the next campaign or whatever campaigns and 70 of us inshallah will be martyred. In another report, the companions added, perhaps in the forthcoming year, 70 of us will be admitted to paradise. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 2, page 14. And Sirat al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, volume 2, page 127 of the English translation. So this is the thing. If you are clinging to the world, you would say, no, we'll execute them. The Sahaba were focused on paradise. They go, 70 was going to paradise. This is not even an option. We will take the ransom. And 70 of us, inshallah, will enter paradise. So why are these reports critical in understanding the scenario? Those Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbid... How could our beloved Messenger have made a mistake when the option to execute or ransom the prisoners was given to him by no other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If that wasn't all, if one then reads the next holy verse, Surah 8 verse 69, Allah the Almighty and Glorious explicitly says, فَكُلُوا مِمَّا غَنِمْتُمْ حَلَالًا طَيِّبًا 
But now enjoy what you took of spoils. Halal and tayyib. So Allah Ta'ala says in the next verse, the spoils that you've taken is lawful and it is pure. Thus how could an error have been made when the Lord of all the worlds calls the spoils not just halal, but tayyib. So then now a person goes, fine. But Allah Ta'ala, you quoted the verses. The Allah Ta'ala said you should have beaten them. So to reiterate, yes, to execute them would have been the preferable course as proven by the verses and of course narrations. However, the course adopted to ransom was also divinely sanctioned and approved. One, if interested, may look at the tafsir of the sacred verses 67 to 71 from Surah Al-Anfal for further clarification on this incident. So I don't want to go through it at too much length, but you have to be careful. People just make some very strange statements. The Prophet made a mistake and they're very flippant when they say it as well. So if the Prophet makes a mistake, there's only one left now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he made a mistake. Right? So what do you mean he made a mistake? What about the guidance Allah the last blessed him with? I.e., you know, the protection. And the response, you've made a mistake, not the Prophet If push comes to shove, you can say, but even this is debatable. The Sahaba made a mistake. But even that doesn't settle with the heart. Because they were given an option. If they were given an option and you choose, you made a mistake. Well, why give us an option? Was it a test? So Lord, it's just ludicrous to make that statement. But you do testify, it would have been better. Because the Quran clearly says in Surah Anfal that you should have subdued them. But who's Allah talking to? He's talking to the Prophet, but he's really talking to the companions, meaning this was not the better of the courses. So again, here very important to highlight the judgment of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He asked for one person to be uh, to be freed, and of course he had Iman, i.e. Sahal ibn Bayda. So now, what's strange? It would have been better to execute. But... How many of these prisoners who were ransomed eventually embraced Islam? So let's look at a few. Aqil ibn Abu Talib, Ali's older brother, Abu al-As, Rasulullah's son-in-law, married his daughter, Zainab, Hakim ibn Hizam, Khatija's nephew, one of the oldest companions, Allah. Suhail ibn Amr, the auditor, the one who had the auditor skills, who later embraced Islam, radiyallahu. Walid ibn al-Walid, Khalid ibn Walid's brother, radiyallahu. Abu Aziz ibn Omar, Musab ibn Omar's brother, the ambassador's brother, radiyallahu. Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr's son, radiyallahu. Though subhanallah, due to Abu Bakr's advice, radiyallahu, Many of the prisoners of Badr had further time to repent, which many did, and they became outstanding Muslims. Thus, these respected souls literally owe everything to the magnificent Abu Bakr. For if it was not for him, they would have been from amongst the eternal residents of the hellfire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves so much love that they have for Abu Bakr. They were probably thinking, good job, the Prophet didn't take Umar's advice. We would have gone to hell forever. So Lord Abu Bakr, this was his compassion. 
the most compassionate of my ummah for my ummah is Abu Bakr. So looking briefly at these people, this wasn't the complete list. Aqil was 20 years older than Ali. So Ali on the battlefield of Badr, he was roughly 23, 22. So Aqil was 42. So Ali was older brother was saved. Abu Al-As was the oldest son-in-law of the Prophet You know, he, he was very dear to the Prophet And even though the Kufar put pressure on him, divorced the Prophet's daughter, uh, divorced Muhammad's daughter He goes, no, because she's done nothing wrong. Why should I? Right? So he, the Prophet appreciated that and he held him there and he embraced Islam. Hakim ibn Hizam, he was the nephew of Khatija. He was the one who gave Zayd ibn al-Harith as a servant to the Prophet, Khatija's nephew. Mm. Suhail ibn Amr, look at the harm he caused later the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Suhail was the one the Quraysh sent. Goes, Who said Rasulullah? You're not Rasulullah. He said, right, Muhammad ibn Abdullah. This person embraced Islam. Radiyallah. Walid ibn al-Walid, Ay Khalid ibn Walid's brother. Iman had actually entered his heart before. He wasn't even fighting in Badr. He gave himself up. And then later he embraced Islam and Khalid, obviously, he beat Khalid. Musa ibn Umayyad's brother, Abu Aziz, what happened? He was a prisoner. So he was thinking that his brother's going to show some special kindness to him. So when he was when he saw his brother coming, he goes, brother. So Musa just ignores him. So he calls him out again, he goes, brother. So then the third time Musa says, you're not my brother. The one who's serving you is my brother. So Abu Aziz goes, he couldn't believe it. Because why? The one serving was a Muslim. You're not. So Abu Aziz embraced Islam. Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr wasn't he taunting the Muslims. Who's going to fight me? Who's going to fight me? And then the Prophet told Abu Bakr to step back. Abu Bakr was going to take his son out. Later his son said, I had a few opportunities to kill you, father, but I couldn't. Abu Bakr goes, if I had won, you would have been dead. And yet, when it came to ransom, the compassion came again. <laughs> So no, now what is very strange, you have to admit, it would have been better to execute. <laughs> so again, how do we explain that? We don't. This is the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows his qadr, it's a secret. <laughs> so moving on to the next section entitled, The Defeat at Uhud and the Issue of Intoxicants. So obviously when it comes to Badr, there's many lessons. Let me just mention a few very quick reports about their status. The Prophet sallallahu he said, in Bukhari and Muslim, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the people of the, the, the warriors of Badr, he goes, do whatever you wish, I have forgiven you. Mm-hmm. Another report said, wajabat fil jannah, paradise is obligatory for them. So they were people who were promised paradise by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they were the best. The hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam asked, Ya Rasulullah, what do you think of those who fought in Badr? The Prophet sallallahu said, they were the best. And then Jibreel said, so were the angels who came to aid. So not only were they the best companions, they were the best angels on that battlefield. So note the Badris have a very special place with Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And who's one of them? The great Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So moving on to the next encounter, the defeated Uhud and the issue of intoxicants. The next main encounter was at Uhud. Where once again the believers were initially victorious until the fateful era of the archers who were keeping in check the enemy cavalry. 
the imminent victory thus turned into a defeat, where as prophesied, 70 of the companions were martyred. Look how interesting. One year earlier, what did the Sahaba themselves want? Because, well, Allah Ta'ala will admit us into paradise. They knew 70 were going to get martyred. So look how strange. If he wasn't a prophet, 71 would have got martyred. 69. How many got martyred? So when people say, oh, so many Sahaba lost their lives, that was their own choice. They wanted that. This happened despite the fact that our beloved messengers clear instructions to the 50 archers who were positioned at the base of Uhud. What was his clear instructions? He said, take care of our rear. Even if you see us being killed, do not leave to help us. And if you see us collecting spoils, still do not join us. This is in Ahmed in his Musnad 4-209, Hakim in his Mustadrak 2-296 Sahih, Zahabi Sahih. So the Prophet said, look after our rear, we can't protect our rear. If you see us being killed, do not leave this position. And even if we are victorious, taking spoils, do not leave this position. How clear was that? Mm-hmm. And in Sahih Bukhari, the Prophet said, do not abandon your position. Even if you see vultures circling over our heads until I send my command. So even if you see us being slaughtered, stay until I give you a, you know, a signal or a command. So it was clear. The instructions were clear. It is further related. In Ibn Jarir in his Tafsir 7-281, Ibn Ishaq Hassan, Ibn Hisham in his Sirah 3-112, that when the unbelievers lost their ground, with their women lifting their skirts and exposing their calves and anklets as they ran, Ibn Jubair's men began to say, Spoils of war, O men, your companions have overcome their enemy. What are we now waiting for? Mm-hmm. Abdullah Ibn Jubair said, Have you forgotten the Prophet's instructions? However, most were adamant and they left. So what happened? Allah's help was coming. The unbelievers, though there were 3,000 versus only 700 believers, they started to flee. And the, how bad was the situation for the unbelievers? The women were running and they were exposing their calves and anklets, meaning it was, it's over. So the 50 archers were looking at this and they said, spoils. It goes, we've won. What are we waiting for? The Amir Abdullah ibn Jubair said, Have you forgotten the Prophet's instruction? Most of them were adamant and they left. As the Quraysh fled and the believers following in their footsteps entered the Quraysh camp, the two mobile wings of the Quraysh, meanwhile, had stood firm. So what happened? Who were the two wings of the unbelieving Quraysh who had cavalry? Who was in charge of the right side? Khalid bin Walid, who was the commander in charge of the left wing of the Quraysh? They had moved. So what does that tell you about their strategy? Look at the brilliance of the generals. They knew it's the archers. The only way we can get them if they move. And they thought this is a gamble, but we'll take it. We're losing, but that might tempt them to move and leave their position. Most of them did. There was 50 archers, 43 left. 
And even though the Amir was pleading with them, they, now did they disobey the Prophet? No. To finish, the scholars point out this incident has many lessons for the Muslims. The biggest lesson or one of the most important lessons is to understand Rasulullah's command. It's not enough just to hear it. So they heard the command. But what did they think? They thought what the Prophet meant was stay until you think we've won. That is not what he meant. What he meant was stay until I give you the... So this was the misunderstanding. So how do we learn from that? We learn from that is that it's not good enough just to quote hadiths. You can quote an authentic hadith. You may understand the hadith. may misunderstand it. Even though it's an authentic hadith. So it's talking about fiqh. Without fiqh, look at the seriousness of what happens. So there's lessons. Allah doesn't just make these things occur. So we say to people who don't have a fiqh, why are you just quoting hadiths for? Haven't you learned anything from Uhud? And they start scratching their head. because what's battle of Uhud going to do with fiqh? And he goes, what happened to the archers? Did they disobey the Prophet? No, they misunderstood. So if you misunderstand what the Prophet says, Allah's help will leave you. So note, amazing things were taking place. But this is all under the decree. Why? Because they chose that 70 of them would get martyred the next year. Allah was allowing these things to occur. So all I mentioned today was basically Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and his saving Sahal ibn Baydah to excuse him from being a prisoner. And graciously Allah allowed this to his messenger. And note, he didn't make any mistakes. He was a truthful believer. Uh, and then I mentioned, uh, did Rasulullah make a mistake in taking ransom? The answer is no. It's just a silly statement to make. If you're going to attribute that to anybody, it's the companions. And even then it's a silly thing to make because they were given an option. And they decided themselves, we will lose 70. Uh, we will get martyred. And then I mentioned now, just the nuts and bolts of what's happening at Uhud. And we've reached a point where the unbelievers are fleeing. The 43 of the blessed archers have left their post. And the two wings are about to swoop along the rear of the Muslims. Are there any questions? Let us. Subhanallah bihamdi ismanika Allahumma bihamdika ashwala ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhibillahi minashid anjim Subhanallah rabbika 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 rabbika